0: Welcome back everybody to a, another episode of Clubhouse Talk. We're coming at you it is week 0 for college football folks. Uh we're pumped to have you guys. Uh we're, we're pumped that college football is officially coming back. We're sitting here on on Monday, it's game week. I got Brett on the pod. He is pumped. His corn it is game week for his Corn Husker's. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of Nebraska talk on, on this episode as we as we go through the week zero games in, in Nebraska, Northwestern, and Dublin is is clearly one of the two. I would say marquee matchups of the weekend, probably the game of the weekend. If you look at it, I'm um, just you for expecting games. Uh, what might be the game, but uh, nonetheless, Brett, how we how we feeling? It's game week. Where's where's the headspace at?
1: Oh, college football is finally back, and this is the start of the longest week of the year for me. Just that countdown is is less than a week and. I, that's all I could do today at work is think about the game.
0: I know it's, it's, we've been waiting for however many days now since the season ended last year. And uh, now you've got to wait just a a few more days every day. You're going to get one one step closer. Luckily you won't have to wait uh, too long during the day. It'll be a, uh, it'll be a night game local time in Dublin, but it'll be a nice little 1130 AM kick local time to you out there in, in central time at Omaha. So at least you won't have to describe all day.
1: That is right. Yeah, we'll get up bright and early, do a little uh, pre-gaming for the game, and then watch my Cornhuskers take on the W. A
0: little kegs okay, and eggs action? That. Are we going to have a little kegs and eggs action going on? Uh,
1: definitely kegs and eggs. Maybe some flapjacks, some some Ooh. pancakes. No, I'm actually not a big pancake guy, surprisingly.
0: But. maybe that needs to be a uh no we'll, we'll have the conversation because it's a pretty light uh pod tonight so so for a uh your, your 11 a.m kicks because for those that that maybe haven't put math together you know the, the 12 o'clock eastern kick so it's really a reserve to primarily east Coast but there is eventually every once in a while you, you pull in one of the central teams and you get that central time and it's an 11 a.m local kick so so what is your rundown? Um, of a tailgate for an 11 a.m. kick? Like, what time do we think we're starting it at? What are we serving at an 11 11 a.m. tailgate? Because it's just – that's not your normal time.
1: So, out here in Nebraska, we get a lot of uh, 11 11 a.m. kicks, it seems. Um, uh, That could be due to how we've played in the past couple years. I could not. But uh, it really depends on the time of year. Um, Usually – Regardless of what time of year it is, we'll get down there, down to Lincoln, seven eight a.m. to start pre gaming, start start the tailgating, um, early season, getting your grills out, your, your 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 blackstone out, and grilling up some uh, some pancakes and maybe some breakfast sandwiches out in the uh, out of the tailgate lot. Um,
0: your sausage or a bacon guy in your breakfast sandwich?
1: Oh, probably a bacon guy. I like both, honestly, but. Uh, Probably a bacon guy. I mean, who, you can't Good go call. wrong with bacon. Yeah, but uh, I mean, but the the Iowa game every year is either 11 a.m. kick or a 2:30 kick, and that's uh, the day after Thanksgiving, so Black Friday every year. Um, and I, if, for those of your listeners who aren't too familiar with Nebraska weather, that is usually a pretty frigid game. <laughs> so we don't do too much uh, too much eating, other than maybe a bowl of chili uh, at at 8 a.m. to keep us warm, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, the early games are fun still uh, getting down there and pretty much spending the entire day in Lincoln. Um,
0: it's been wild to see the transformation of, of the TV times because you go back five, six years ago, the noon kicks was reserved for the absolute worst of the worst games. Like nobody wanted to watch noon kicks. Everyone would get up watch game day, and then it was it was just a trash lineup at, at noon. And you would have your really good – yeah, some really good games at 3.30, and then everything was in prime time, the, re- the best games – and it's kind of switched with, with the big noon on Fox was the first one I think that really took on that noon slot and was like, hey, there's a bunch of bad games. We're going to dominate this by putting one big game and you start seeing a lot more big market teams getting these early games because the noon slot has become a thing where everyone wants, everyone now wants one really good game in every slot. So fans are sitting there for now from 12 until 10, 11 o'clock at night instead of getting a little break in there. So for the... The college football enthusiast, you get your whole day on the couch now of always good games, and, and those people that want to run some errands on Saturday, they, they have no time and they're they're choosing the game to miss now.
1: Saturday is the fall for football, not running errands. So I, I, I totally, agree. I'm just, I am totally I'm just down saying. for this. No, I, I am I, totally I, down for this.
0: But I, on uh, the, uh, I was gonna say, I think on the SEC side for an eleven a.m. kick, it's I, I went to, or I think I've had two that I've gone to. One was at Auburn, and one was at Missouri. And tailgate is starting up around, yeah, I would say 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, it, if that's too early to start pouring liquor right away, you got to get you gotta get loosened up with, I think, uh, mimosas are, are a great starter. Mimosas and screwdrivers. Or you can just go straight to the beer. But, but the mimosas get a little orange juice in you. It feels breakfasty um getting some chick-fil-a uh platters uh, getting some biscuits or or some chicken minis those are those are great tailgate ads at, at that early in the morning getting a little uh some breakfast quiches or uh, sausage balls is a big thing in the south i don't know if sausage balls are big in the midwest i don't but, even know what that is Uh imagine uh a, a it's smaller than a meatball it's rolled up in a in a ball size i'd say it's about the size of a golf ball and it's Breaded, it, it's cheese and sausage and bread, and it's kind of together so, and cooked. So pigs in a blanket, yeah, but it's like in a ball form. It's it's cheese and it's it's cheese and sausage rolled up in a ball. That's uh, basically just pigs in a blanket. They
1: just make it weird down the south. It's delicious per, u- per usual.
0: It's delicious, good stuff. We can always use spicy sauce. With it
1: yeah, no, but to your to your uh, your point about mimosas and orange juice, uh, the big thing in the Midwest. I don't know if it's anywhere else, but I should say a big thing, but I know a few people that do it. They'll they'll mix Coors Light with orange juice.
0: Coors Light and orange. It's,
1: juice? Yeah, I'm not a fan of it because I don't like Coors Light, but uh, a lot of people like it. And I, first I, off, I it's try it out Cur- sometime. But it's Coors, not
0: Coors. Tours. 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 But a uh, little little Rocky Mountain uh Gatorade, uh, Rocky Mountain Water. It's something like that. I don't know. What I don't they know call if it. I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever had it with orange juice. I, I am halfway intrigued and halfway disgusted. I'll probably have to go ahead and try that out at one of our – he will end up with an early kick eventually. So, well, luckily for us, our first few games are – we go a night Thursday night and then a uh, 3.30 when we're at Pitt and a 7 o'clock kick for Akron. So, we we got okay, to well, start off.
1: Well, we can try it right at, when you're out here in the Midwest for the Indiana game. We'll, we'll be tailgating about 7.30 for that 6.30 kick.
0: <laughs> That's gonna be a that's gonna be a good one. It's gonna um, be a long day for you, buddy. For, oh, prepared. Trust me, it's nothing I haven't done with before. The I think the longest one, longest day of my life was Alabama. That was an 8 p.m. local kick, and that tailgate started at about 7 a.m. local. That was a long day in Tuscaloosa. But um, yeah, for the for the listeners who didn't catch it last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago, we had our preview pot out. So if you haven't listened to it, go back. Our previous episode, we dropped all of our uh, Power Five conference winners, our playoff predictions, Heisman national champions, all of it. But uh, we will be taking the show on the road at least once this fall. Hopefully, twice if we can uh, drag Brett out of his frozen tundra come November and try and get him to the great state of Tennessee. But, um, but yeah, it, it's going to be fun. We're going to get we're, for the first time do a pod in person live. It'll be a blast. Nonetheless, though, uh we can we can go ahead and jump into the week zero. We can I know we're gonna spend a lot of time on Nebraska because like I said, it, it's pretty it's pretty weeks late as week zero. It's it's becoming a little bit bigger of a thing. The last couple of years, I think it may have been the COVID, was it COVID year or the year before COVID that it was uh the first I think it was like Florida Miami was like the first real week zero game. It was a new concept and, and then it's kind of taken off now the last couple of years. Um it, it's been interesting to see, but
1: yeah, I'm a fan of it. It gives you a little taste of college football. I mean, and for the teams who are playing in Week Zero, I mean, it's kind of a love hate relationship. You do get that that early game. Um, you get an extra bye week, but you're also you're also playing first. I mean, every team is going to get a scout on you early, um, so that could be somewhat of a disadvantage. But it kind of just depends on how you have your schedule set up.
0: Well, allows you to do some some fun games that maybe you wouldn't do otherwise. I mean, like this Northwestern Nebraska game um, being played in Dublin, obviously um, tough travel, but you're going to get a, a break a couple weeks in um, for you guys. Or you look at like Vanderbilt and they're going to go to Hawaii. A lot of time to get over there the week off. It's not like you're trying to do it in between games to get to a place like Hawaii, which is just really long travel. Fun fact, Vanderbilt's actually the furthest traveling team of any team. Even though Nebraska is going all the way to Ireland, it is like 50 more miles from Vanderbilt's campus to Hawaii. It is from Nebraska's campus to Dublin, Ireland. Um, I had no clue until I saw that fun fact earlier today. But nonetheless, um, the very first game of the day, Austin P. Western Kentucky. That does kick off at 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. Western Kentucky last year was a whole lot of fun with Bailey Zappi. Um, at, at quarterback, I don't think they're going to be too much this year. Austin P. Uh, they're most known for probably beating Vanderbilt last year. Um, I, I don't know much on these teams, so I do want to go ahead and jump straight into the uh, the Nebraska Northwestern game. And this is a this is a big game. I mean, we we haven't gone into it too much on on Nebraska, but Scott Frost. This is a uh, put up or shut up year. Um, he's been on the hot seat. I would say. For at least a season, um, maybe longer, depending on what Nebraska fan you talk to. He, he's been fighting the uh, the poor records and get his he's getting hotter and hotter. And this year is, is no doubt the year that he's got to go out there and do something. He's got to at least make a bowl game, make some noise. And some people think he could do it. Nebraska coming off a 3-9 and nine season last year with, I think, all nine of those were single-digit losses. Um, it was... A heartbreaking year of a lot of poor special teams play. It was um, mistakes made at the wrong moment. It was mental errors, turnovers at the wrong time. All, all of this led to the to the one possession losses. And the one team Nebraska did beat in the Big Ten last year was Northwestern, and they absolutely trounced them in Lincoln, forty-nine to seven, I believe, was the score of that game. It was not pretty. Um, so past the Fitzgerald's team seemed they. Seems like they go hot and cold every year. They were cold last year. Are, are they going to be hot this year? Who knows until this game. So, big, interesting game right off the bat for Scott Frost to get the ball rolling. Um, uh, Brett, I'm just going to let you go ahead and, and, and take the fight here and break me break down this game for me. Where Where are your thoughts going into it? And then uh, we can we can get into predictions in a little bit.
1: So, a few of the things you kind of talked about. Um... Nebraska's poor special teams play uh, Just not closing out games um, i mean, I could go on and on About this about how they played last year but I won't Get too much into that um, Scott Frost And the staff addressed that um, They revamped the entire Offensive staff uh, bringing in a new Offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple Who you might recognize that name because He was Pitt's offensive coordinator Last year and we all know how high Powered of an offense they ran uh, under Kenny Pickett and Mark Whipple And um, Along with that, they brought in Brian Applewhite, um, running back coach for TCU. He was the running back coach that actually um, recruited, um uh, drawn a blank on the name. He's old mrs. running back now, Zach Evans, um, to TCU. Um, and he was the number one player in his class, actually. Um, along with that, they brought in Mickey Joseph, new wide receiver coach, um, LSU responsible for guys like uh, – Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I mean, I think you've heard of those names. Um, and then, I think uh,
0: anyone who watches uh, football on Sundays has definitely heard of those names. Yep, and then that
1: last new addition to the roster is Donovan Raiola, uh, younger brother of Husker legend Dominic Raiola and 15-year NFL player, multi-time Pro Bowl, multi-time All-Pro. Um, he's our new offensive line coach coming from the Bears. Um, and then one, one other name they added to the – coaching staff who was an analyst is uh, uh brian bush or brian bush um bill bush um bill bush is our new special teams coordinator which they hope he can give some uh guidance toward our special teams and really improve that room because boy oh boy me out of all people knows we need that um, Wait, this is
0: their this is your first time having a special teams coach under frost right
1: our first time under frost correct yep um, we've had special team coaches before. Um, I believe Bill Bush actually was a special teams coach. At least he had that, that title kind of under his umbrella, um, back in his first stop in Nebraska. Um, but yeah, we haven't had one under frost yet. And our special teams have been abysmal since basically since Bo Pelini left, uh, we've been near the bottom of the country in special teams and dang near every statistic. Um, But along with Bill Bush, um, they brought in a new punter, a new kicker, and a new long snapper. Uh, All three transfers, the punter, uh, all three transfers actually coming from the FCS ranks, the punter actually being the FCS player of the year, uh, punter of the year, uh, rather. Um, So I'm I'm really looking forward to them actually doing something with special teams because we've sure been missing that.
0: I mean, it's just been, been atrocious. I mean, anyone who's actually followed Nebraska, um, last I'd say at least two years. It's it's just been a pure disaster mode of missing short field goals, um or punt coverage, not being able to kick, uh, kick off and bounce. I mean, it's just anything and everything you could do wrong on special teams. They've been doing it, and maybe Frost is finally learning his ways, and that he's getting out of his own ego and uh saying that yeah, you actually do special teams, uh, coach. Um. I know that you want every position coach that you can out there, but it, it, I think I think you're stupid not to have a special teams coach. And so, I'm excited to see if that turns things around for Nebraska. If that if that helps the personnel there, um, yeah, because they're, they're going to it, assuming you're going to be in a lot of a lot of close games. Or I think Nebraska's roster is at a point where they compete with just about anybody on their schedule, and so in theory, you're going to pro- you're going to end up having some close games in Big Ten play. Uh, I guess teams that you're, you're fighting for that middle, you know, that, that top half of the big 10 um, type teams. I, I think that Nebraska can compete in that area potentially. And so those are going to be close games and you're going to need, you're going to need special teams. You're going to need to flip the field. You're going to need to cover. Um, you're going to need to make the kicks at when you've got opportunities in your in range. So yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I guess next I'll talk about the offense, then the defense, and then, Oh, I guess we can go into betting and then we can give our, our actual picks for the game.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so a quick preview of the offense. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are college football fans and a name you've probably heard nationally is Adrian Martinez. Um, seems like he's been, or he had been in Nebraska for forever before, um, he ended up entering the transfer portal and transferring to Kansas state, but, uh, Nebraska brought in a transfer quarterback or two rather, um, Joe Purdy from Florida State, who will be our backup, and Casey Thompson from Texas, who led the Big 12 in passing touchdowns last year, um, will be our starter. Um, Casey really brings a lot of intelligence and experience to our offense. Um, he's obviously played in uh, big-time games before. I mean, you've, you've watched him play against Oklahoma last year when they had – Oh, I forget that it was it was a high scoring game. I don't know the exact. I think oh, I think it, it was 45-42, 40,
0: If I'm not mistaken, it was right. A shootout.
1: Right, and then again, he he played. They played Kansas last year. I know it's Kansas, but he threw seven touchdowns in that game, and his defense lost him that game.
0: Um oh, yeah. So
1: Texas's uh Texas's record last year was not was no show of poor quarterback play. Um. So along with along with a new quarterback, uh, Nebraska brings in. Um, A new running back as well, Anthony Grant, a transfer from the junior college ranks, um, former Florida State running back, uh, D1 bounce back, um, along with returning three uh, running backs who played last year, Ramir Johnson, Gabe Irvin Jr., and Jacquez Yant. Uh, The four of them all bring something different to the table, Um, Ramir being more of a uh, receiving back, a quick guy. Um, He actually plays slot receiver as well. Um, Irvin and Grant both being – pretty balanced. They can do a little bit of both. And Jock has uh, weighing in at 235 pounds, a uh, former walk-on um, is more of our power back. Um, and he actually had a very good game against Northwestern last year. Funny enough, um, going over hundred yards and really his first meaningful snaps. Um, so along after the running back room, I mean, are we revamped our entire wide receiver room as well? Um, bringing in Trey Palmer and Marcus Washington um, from LSU and Texas, respectively, uh, both these guys are speedsters. I mean, it's, it's what it's what Frost wants. It's what he's always wanted out of his receiving room. Uh, he wants him to play fast. He wants him to play aggressive, um, get lots of yards after the catch. Um, and I guess other than that, um, really the only other position I'll, I'll really touch on is the tight end room. Uh, it's a pretty deep room. Um, got four or five guys who can really con- contribute on a day to day basis. Uh, Travis Vokalek is the leader of that room, and he is our offensive captain. Um, one time Rutgers transfer came into Nebraska about three years ago. Um, he's had to sit behind two now NFL tight ends, in Austin Allen and Jack Stoll. Um, and he's, he's really looking out for a breakout year. Um, Scott Frost and Sean Beckton our wide receiver, our tight ends coach. Um, both have said they think he can be the best out of the three and really end up making a name for himself in the NFL someday. Um, so after that, the defense, um, the defense is also revamped, um, brought in a lot of new players after losing such good players like Jojo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt, um, bring in a highly touted recruit, O'Shawn Mathis from, uh, Texas or TCU, um, to play on our edge to go along with. Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner um, really brings a three-headed monster and, and lots of good rotation. they can, they can play with play along with, around with in that, uh, in that edge room, um, really get some pass rush on opposing teams' quarterbacks, which Nebraska has lacked the past few seasons. Um, you could say the edge or outside linebacker position in the past few years has, has been our worst position on defense. And now they consider that a position of strength, and maybe even the best position group on the team. Um, really, other than that, um, replacing Cam Taylor Britt in the secondary is going to be hard because he's such a good player, such a transition, or a such a, such a powerful player, and such a importance to our team with his ability to cover and make tackles in open space. Uh, we brought in Tommy Hill, uh, transfer from Arizona State. Um, and he he looks to have a, a good year. Um, he'll probably be a starter along with Quentin Newsom, who returns um, in our secondary play corner. Um, and really, I mean, you can tell there's a theme for this. Lots of transfers. Uh,
0: trying to pull the, rest, the old Mel Tucker, the, the old Mel Tucker route after last year.
1: Right. Nebraska really hit the portal. Nebraska really hit the portal hard. And I think they needed to to reload. Um, they lost three players who were drafted and another Four or five, who were picked up in a free agency. Um, so,
0: I mean, and like we said, Scott, like, like I said with Scott Frost earlier, this is a put up and shut up year. So, I mean, he's he had to go out and get people that are productive, ready to play now. He could not afford to sit around and wait on on right. young to develop. I mean, he needs to go out and put together a winning season, make a bowl game, and potentially do more if he wants to hold on to his job.
1: Right, and and I think the whole thing that's going to have to wrap up the wrap this team together is chemistry. Um, it seems like from what I've heard through player interviews and in talking to uh, I guess, I guess I should say my, my cousin played or he played, I should say on Nebraska. He just met him, he retired two weeks ago. Um, he had two bum knees, uh, but he said this team camaraderie is the best he's ever seen uh, since his time being there in his four years. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for this team. I'm, Excited to see these transfers, but I'm excited to see our new offense, more of an air raid offense. Um, I shouldn't say air raid, more of a more of an air it out. Um, it will still be balanced. We still will run the ball, but we'll look for more of those explosive plays and really getting the ball downfield with our quarterback rather than Adrian running like a chicken with his head cut off and making our offensive line chase him around the field and protect him. Um, yeah. I guess we can uh, – I guess okay. that's my my kind of preview of the team. I guess we could get into more of a betting preview now. Well,
0: I mean, before we get into that, I mean, I think it's only fair. I, I, I did a little bit of of Northwestern script or, or preview on them just to just to be able to flip it to the other that side. That is fair.
1: That is fair for all your Northwestern listeners.
0: <laughs> there's there's not a Northwestern is an interesting school because it, it really does seem like even your Pat Fitzgerald teams just they hit their high on the even years and they hit their low on on the odd years. And I I think it's because you look at a school like Northwestern, you're not pulling in your, your top 25, your top 30 recruiting classes year in and year out. And so Fitzgerald is kind of, he's bringing in these guys every couple of years and he, and he brings in these freshmen and he takes time to develop these guys. It's time to, to get them up to strength. It gets time to get them into the program and and to become who they want to become because they're probably recruiting a lot of undersized people that the bigger schools don't want because they want to, they want their freshmen to produce right away. And so I think that's where you start seeing the cycle come in of this every other year type thing with, with Northwestern. And they're going to be an interesting team because they have flashes here and there two years ago, 2020, they win the, uh, the, they win the big 10 wet. Yeah, they are in the West, right? Um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the they win the Big Ten West, and then last year they're three and nine with with one conference win, and obviously they got blown out by Nebraska. And so I, I think it starts off with the first thing: if they're going to play better this year, they're going to have to get far better quarterback play than they got last year. Um, Ryan Halinski returns for a second season at uh, Northwestern. He, he was an old uh, South Carolina quarterback. Um, he he had five starts last year, three for nine hundred seventy eight uh, yards and nine appearances. Um, but he only, but he had more interceptions and he had touchdowns. So obviously that is going to have to get flipped around. He's going to have to take better control of the ball. The guy has talent. He, he had flashes at South Carolina and the SEC playing well. Um, so I think that that's one of the big things is, is they're going to have to hold onto the ball, win the turnover battle, uh, on the running back side. I think they're actually going to be pretty, pretty darn, uh, competitive there. You have, you're bringing back a thousand yard rusher. Um, and Evan Hall and you're returning Cam Porter who missed all of last season with a lower body injury he's really solid Um, Hall ran for 1,009 yards last year 5 point yards per carry 7 touchdowns as a sophomore Um, and Porter was was injured in in camp last year after having a really solid uh, 2020 season as a freshman where he ran for 142 yards against Illinois and then 98 yards against December Uh, the defense at time it's been stingy um they had one of the best defenses in 2020 and last year they were absolutely terrible so you know you just start kind of flipping around things and clearly got to turn got it got to hold onto the ball not turn over as much they got to get back to the defense and then you know i I think that's going to be that's going to be their identity that's going to be their success model if they are going to get into this but um yeah i think that's it's roughly what i was able to look up I'm uh, looking at a few of the local sports reports from uh, Northwestern and, and the Chicago Tribune.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I got a couple things to add about Northwestern. <laughs> um, their left tackle, uh, Peter Skaransky um, is the projected number one uh, lineman taken in the draft <laughs> next year. Uh, they're going to hammer the rush. Um, they're going, they're, they're, they're not going to throw it out. They're not going to be a team that beats in the air um, regardless of who their quarterback is. And, kind of along with that um their quarterback has not been named yet uh freshman brennan sullivan is in a position battle with ryan holinski right now and pat fitzgerald was quoted today saying he will not release this before the game so we will find out the same time you all do when you're watching this game next weekend um but yeah, uh, Northwestern, like you said, their defense last year was terrible. Um, I think that is a little bit to do with um, them switching defensive coordinators, switching defensive schemes. Um, so I expect them to be a little bit better this year. Uh, maybe not great. Um, they lost Brandon Joseph, their All-American safety to the transfer portal. He transferred to Notre Dame. Um, but they, they they know what they're doing. They got three um, interior defensive lineman transfers that will all rotate in and out. Um, and look to make an impact on their team and on their defense. Um, so I, I guess Northwestern will probably be looking at a whole new offense, or a whole new Nebraska team. But then again, we're not sure what we're going to get with Northwestern because of yeah. their question marks at quarterback and, and on their defense.
0: This is this is a brand new, obviously, it's a brand new season, but it's going to be a really right. hard to think for both of these teams. So. Um, yeah, what Nebraska is a 13 point favorite, I believe going into this game. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I I was surprised to see that high of a, uh, that high of a spread coming into this with, with two pretty or 12 and a half, actually, according to, uh, to bet MGM and a total of 50 and a half. So um brett i mean what do you what do you see from this game i i have my thoughts and opinions but i want to i want to get yours first
1: um so i guess I'll, I'll give up my betting picks first and then or no I'll, I'll give up my actual pick first then i'll go betting um so my actual pick i i do think it's going to be a um closer game than the nebraska fans might like um I think it might take some time for some chemistry to build along the offense. I think their defense will probably be there. Um, Maybe not quite as stout as it was last season. Um, But I think, I think Nebraska's defense will still be very good. Um, But I I do think it'll take some time for them to figure out the offense, kind of figure out a rotation with their running backs and and figure out who Casey's receivers are going to be and, and kind of figure out our offensive line rotation, uh, which is a big question mark and and not a ton of, not a ton of clarity there. Like they kind of have their left tackle picked out their center picked out, but the other three positions along the line are kind of up for grabs. And and I think we'll rotate a lot, rotate out a lot, which will benefit towards their scheme more of a more of an aggressive scheme instead of a, instead of a zone blocking scheme, which our old offensive line coach kind of put in and it kind of hindered us because zone blocking doesn't work too well with the quarterback like Adrian Martinez, who kind of scrambles all the time. But I. If you want me to give you a score prediction, I'm going to go 35 Nebraska, 24 Northwestern.
0: Hmm, a well, little higher scoring. Um, or well, what is that? That's right at 49. So you're you're sitting right on the total and and just a hair on the. If you were if you were working at Vegas, that's pretty much what Vegas is predicting right there. Right. Um, just about uh, of that type of game. Uh, no, I I, I don't. I don't disagree, but or I should say, I don't disagree. I not guess I can't see that. Um, I, I think it's going to be, frankly, kind of an ugly game in the first half. I, I can see this thing being a lot of three and outs early. I can see this being really low scoring come halftime. If you told me the halftime score was ten to three, it would not surprise me one bit. Um, Wouldn't shock me either. You know, you're breaking in breaking into offenses as we said on both sides. You could be you could be looking at a freshman quarterback with Northwestern. You got the freshman quarterback Nebraska. You got a lot of changes there, Um, and so I I just think you're going to have some rest with that. And so early on, I see it being that way. I think you're going to start going into the second half and get it to open up a little bit more, and then getting closer, but. I think Nebraska wins this game. I think Nebraska is the more desperate team in this situation. Scott Frost is, has been looking at this since really he got that, uh, got the vote of confidence last fall and made it back. And so uh, I'm looking at something probably like twenty twenty four seventeen twenty four. 24, 17, 24, uh, yeah, so, so we're 24-17, 24-20. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be ugly. Um, but, you know, I, Nebraska, sh- if they do pull out a close game, that should be a small bit of a vote of confidence to actually win one of these close games. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to just squeak one out early.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is an absolute must-win game for Nebraska. Um, it sets the tone for the rest of the season. Um the next two games are Georgia Southern and North Dakota, um, heading into Oklahoma, which I think will be an absolutely massive game. Um, if we can start off with a win here, I, I feel much better about the season. Um, if we do stumble, it's going to be a lot tougher for Scott Frost to get bowl eligible and keep his job. Oh okay. yeah,
0: I mean, this is this sets the tone for the season. I think if you win this game all as well, and you're starting off right. Um, if not, you're looking at the exact same situation, except even worse than when you, you lose to Illinois last year to start the year, and it was like that really sucks. And then it gets even worse if you're, you know just because you're coming in a hot seat. And then I think the home game almost becomes a must-win to save his job in week four before you know keep the rails on for the season. So it's this is absolutely massive. I'll give it. I'll give the edge to the uh, the more desperate team in Nebraska. And so, it sounds let's like let's
1: not use the word desperate. Let's use hungry.
0: I, I, we could we could choose different words to describe the same thing. <laughs> right? But uh, you know, I think so. For the listeners out there that that want to indulge in a little bit of uh, a little bit of Saturday Saturday cash games with their friends or their bookies, we're, we're I think we both could agree that we expect Northwestern to probably cover in this game. And I, you lean very little on the under and i lean heavy towards the under if i just think it's going to be an ugly game especially a like a first half or first quarter under just really really slow start so yep. well cool well let's go ahead and uh we can jump off the nebraska bandwagon and jump into a couple of the other games and then then have a fun little discussion in this so i i there's not too many other big games the rest of the day. You, you look at it, 2.30 Central time. you got Idaho State at UNLV. Um, UConn, the return of Jim Moore Jr. playing at uh, Utah State. And I think the, uh, the 3 o'clock game on Big Ten Network, 3 o'clock Central, is an interesting game. Wyoming and Illinois. Um, what does Brett Bielma's uh, fighting Illini have going on this year? Duquesne, Florida State at 4. Charlotte, uh, Florida Atlantic at 6-15, Florida AM, UNC seven fifteen, um, North Texas UTEP at 8, and then you've got Nevada and New Mexico State at 9 p.m. And then to round it out, what I think actually could be a very entertaining game, uh, Vanderbilt and Hawaii, not entertaining in terms of, uh, for the national scale, but I think very entertaining for those two schools and, and might even be the game of the day, depending upon uh, how those teams look. So, do you want to go to any of those or do you want to jump into the uh, the nightcap um any of those ones before intrigue on the on the list there?
1: Um, the UConn-Utah State game, betting-wise, intrigues me, and then the Wyoming-Illinois as well. Um, UConn-Utah State, uh, the over-under is 60, and Utah State is favored by 27 points. They're expecting Utah State to put up a lot of points here, and I don't disagree with them, but 27 points against anyone to start the season is is pretty high. So I I would take the under on that, or I would, I would take UConn to cover the spread there. And I'd also also probably take the under.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, UConn's been terrible, but they also got a bunch of transfers. So, I mean, you never know how that's going to work out for them. Um, They got Tyson. I can't even say his name. Fomicon from from he was he was uh Clemson's backup last year. But um
0: I mean if right, you imp- suck. If UConn does suck, I mean what they're gonna put up ten points? So you're expecting Utah State to put fifty?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I also just I don't see Utah State beating it by twenty seven points. I it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um uh, seems, they, lost, they, lost like they lost a ton of the portal too. So uh,
0: I agree. I it, that seems like a lot. Um, I, I think you can look at it in a way that you can you know you can, can keep them low scoring, it's gonna be hard for them to uh cover such a high on the side, if you can do sock, it's gonna be hard for Utah State to even put up that big to cover it because if you can stop playing well, um that mm-hmm. means yeah, I, I think the under season, is the best bet in that game and then follow by follow by Yukon. Yeah, the Wyoming Illinois one, um yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting as well. I agree.
1: Um, Wyoming lost, again, a lot of players to the portal, um, lost their running back, the quarterback. Uh, b- basically, every skilled position player on their team is gone. Their um, top wide receiver. Their top wide receiver as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean Illinois is Illinois. They're going to be. They're. they I think they'll be decent this year. Um, Fred Bielema is a good head coach. Um, he knows what he wants to do. He knows they want to run the ball and they want to play traditional Big West, Big Ten West football, or run the ball down your throat. Oh, they're going
0: to be. They're. They're one of those stubborn Big Ten West teams to play. Like in Iowa, like Wisconsin, they just pound the ball and grind out the games. And it is, if you if you like scoring points or like watch teams scoring points, don't watch those teams play.
1: Yep. Yep. And then Illinois has a pretty good running back in Chase Brown. Um, He's, I believe he's a true sophomore last year. And I think he's went over, he had like 800 yards his freshman year. and uh, He went over a thousand last year. I know that. Um, So I, I would take Illinois to cover the spread, but I would take the under.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's, that's probably going to be an, under. I
1: think, I think Illinois won by more than 10, but they're not going to score 44 points combined. I don't you know. think Wyoming's gonna have much of an offense. Their defense is, eh. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. You hear so, their defense will be good enough not for for Illinois not to blow them out, but their offense isn't gonna keep keep it close.
0: I agree with that. I I completely concur with that. Um, so let's get let's go into side cap because I'm, I'm pulling up here like, as I was going above the spread. I'm also pulling up the MPI and. You, you want to talk – I mean, I know that Vegas and FPI do not matter or do not match typically a lot of times. But you've got on the FPI, you've got Hawaii. is a 72% chance to win this game. And then you look at the spread, and it's a six-and-a-half-point spread in Vanderbilt's favor to, to Vegas. And I'm like, those two really, really do not add up. Um, but I think Vegas is right here. I, I, I don't see how – why – Hawaii is favored by as much as they are. Uh, Hawaii was terrible last year. I, I don't think that Vanderbilt is gonna be great by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Wait, hold up before, before you say anything. Your your line has Hawaii favored?
0: No, sorry. I meant Vanderbilt favored, but the FPI has Hawaii as a 72%. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. The FPI is what has them vote favored. But no, um yeah, I, I mean. You're still talking about an SEC team. Um, like Clark Lee is going to get Vanderbilt playing halfway decent. I, I don't see them going all the way to Hawaii to lose. It um, was probably one of the worst teams in the country last year. I don't think it's going to get any better, for, any better for him this year. Um, yeah, I think Vanderbilt wins this game. I think they win 10-plus 10, 10 points at least. I think they're going to cover seven. So I don't know what ESPN has got going on in these FBI metrics. They, those always confuse me sometimes, but yeah, I got to win that game.
1: Oh yeah, I have them winning too. I, I think six and a half is a low spread. Um, yeah. I think Vandy wins by at least 14. I mean, you're playing, you're, you're, you're an SEC team still. You're still getting top tier maybe not as top-tier recruits as other SEC teams, but still the SEC are still getting great recruits. And Hawaii is majority local kids and a few guys who didn't have many other D1 offers, so they go play at Hawaii. I mean, they're playing in a freaking high school stadium. (laughs) The Aloha Stadium is falling apart, so they're they're playing on – I believe it's their soccer stadium, but it it looks like –
0: it looks, like a high low, field. it
1: looks like a low level high school field. Like my high school's field is bigger than the, the one they're playing at. <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, you know, I, just, I, I think Vanderbilt uh, did right in doing this type of game in week zero. Like I said, not trying to make, making sure this is not something that is like second week of the season. And you're trying to bounce from between games to come and do this. But um, yeah, Vanderbilt's going to travel out there. They're going to get a nice little early season beach trip for the boys, and then uh, and then get their, their butt back to, to Nashville. Yeah.
1: Nashville is central time, right?
0: It is, yes. So
1: they'll be playing 9.30 Nashville time, um, yeah. which which might, might be kind of weird for, for them. Uh, I, I think so, with... but
0: the nice thing is they're, I think they're left today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so they, they should have plenty of time to get themselves to, to local time there.
1: Yeah, see, that's when Nebraska that They left today to go to Ireland as well. Um, they're actually probably hitting the connecting flight and or not connecting flight refueling in Chicago right now. Um, but yeah, I think I, it's so weird how or not weird, but it's amazing how much logistics and planning goes into these long trips. I mean, I couldn't imagine being the ops manager that has to plan out <laughs> to get a hundred, I guess it's 90, 90 players uniforms and, Equipment
0: and everything. Yeah, the equipment, uniforms, all that stuff, the coaching, the coaching staff, all of that stuff, and getting it through customs. I mean, and you also need you also need practice materials. I mean, I you saw how a picture. Those, how many of those players had to go get passports this past spring for this game? Oh, it had to be a lot of them
1: because I know a lot exactly. of Nebraska's players haven't been out of the country. Um <laughs> that's that's what I'm
0: saying. It's like thinking about that type of stuff. that you know, you got to work to get everybody through customs. I mean, these are these are things that you know they gotta work on. Yeah,
1: I mean I mean and there's also like players who aren't from the states. So is their passport gonna work to get into Ireland? I mean, I know I know Ireland's probably pretty relaxed on that. They want tourism and stuff. So I'm not sure I'm sure they probably aren't super strict on who they let in their country. But like I know Nebraska, they don't have them this year, but they had an Australian last year. I'm sure they'd be fine. But there's other guys on the team I know are are like born in other countries and yeah, I mean, especially weird, if you're on weird, like a weird, visa,
0: on visa exactly. that type of stuff
1: there's a um, bunch of loopholes people have to jump through all the time yeah are <laughs> funny enough our our uh he was going to be our starting left guard um he's from germany uh he got he got suspended for the whole season for some substance abuse and it's he they never got released what it was and we're assuming steroids but uh, he, he won't be making the trips so i'm sure they don't have to worry about that but uh <laughs> Yep. Uh, that is, and then you got the players that that might be kind of idiots and bringing stuff over they're not supposed to. A little Brittany Griner action. Uh, I'd hope that none of the players would be doing that because that would be a nightmare. Yeah,
0: it's it's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of discipline. The players will have to. to yeah. You know. Well, um. The, the other
1: thing to think about is Ireland. Like, if you leave something behind, you're not going to be able to go to the sporting goods store and find a football that's regulation size. Um, and I, like I saw them, Nebraska packing up like practice equipment. So like they, they brought pylons, like orange pylons, because <laughs> they're not going to have that in Dublin. That would make no sense. They probably special order everything out there to get it ready for this game. So it's to see what I'll be curious to see what the, fans hopefully they didn't forget anything. Cause that would suck.
0: <laughs> I'll be curious to see what the, uh, the fan showing out is as well. Um, and, you know, I want to, we were talking about Hawaii uh, and so, what are the to to jump into a similar uh, bridge off of Hawaii, uh, there's a Netflix documentary that dropped last week of a Hawaiian player, and none other than Manti Te'o. I think you've you sat down and watched it. I finally got down and watched it last night. Um, what did you think of that?
1: Uh, I'm not finished with it, but I, I have watched a lot of it, and man, I I feel so bad for Manti Te'o. I mean, he was totally clueless. He was totally clueless to what was happening to him at the time. And he was trying to be a good guy. And the the amount of jokes that have been made at his expense or something he totally innocently did is, is, man, heartbreaks for the guy,
0: but... You know, middle school me owes him a lot of apologies. Oh, same here. For jokes that were said at the cafeteria table. and, And just thinking it was like, at the time, it was like... How, how do you not, you know, how do you never meet a girlfriend and, and not think that, you know, this is so weird, but now looking back at it, when it gets laid out, um, it, it makes total sense. I mean, he's, she's in California, he's at Notre Dame, um, and he's got football going on all the time. And even when he's home, it's like, she's still in California. He's in Hawaii when he goes home. I, I mean, these type of things all make sense. Um, And it's absolutely wild the lengths that this uh, Renaya person went to to create this profile to keep the story going. The the twists and the turns. I seriously, if you have not watched it, go and watch it. It is one of the most riveting documentaries I think I've ever seen on Netflix. Truly wild, and and yeah, middle school me owes Manti Teo a lot of apologies, and really the national media owes him eight bunch of apologies because they absolutely destroyed this guy and cost him millions and millions of dollars of him falling from the first, out of the first round to the second round Uh cost him years on a contract, cost him millions of dollars in signing bonus. It's, it's incredible it, when you put it all in perspective of, of how his life was affected by, by these actions and by actions of other people, not just Renaya who create the fake profile, but the national media as well, who, who just, non-stop covered it for
1: months and months. It's crazy what the butterfly effect can, can do. I mean, the littlest things can turn into the biggest things so quickly.
0: Nice. It's truly, truly, truly wild. And to, uh, to finish it out, we'll segue over to, uh, to Manti Teo's, uh, alma mater there in, in Notre Dame because, you know, Notre, I think we talked about it. We brought Notre Dame up very, very barely at the end of the, the preview pod. because um, We didn't talk about them. We didn't expect a lot of out of Notre Dame coming into this year. I still don't expect a lot of coming out of Notre Dame. We, we said, you know, Marcus Freeman first year, Notre Dame's replacing a lot. But looking at it, Notre Dame comes in. What are they, AP? Are they fifth this year, I believe? Um, yeah, they're, they're fifth coming into this year. And – the, the age-old discussion is this – a lot of people like to say Notre Dame is overrated because Notre Dame isn't in a conference. They don't win a conference championship. They seem to be rated high every year, and they may get into the playoff a couple times, and they've been blown out um, in the playoff. But, yeah, I, I saw a couple tweets right before we were recording this podcast, so I wanted to have this discussion with you. Of, uh, do you believe Notre Dame is overrated or underrated? And so I I guess first, before I go into the stats to defend my side of it, which which side of the coin are you on? Do you think Notre Dame is overrated, or do you think they are um, even potentially underrated or properly rated? I would say
1: slightly overrated. I think they're going to be a good team, and uh, they they prove it year in and year out. They're always have about one loss, maybe two. But I think to start the season at five might be a little high for them. Um, I think they do have definitely have potential. I mean, they have college football playoff potential aspirations. I mean, that's that's where – if you go to Notre Dame, that's the expectation. That should be the expectation. You should make the college football playoff. Um, I mean, they play – a. They, we joke about them needing to join a conference, but they they still play a, a good schedule. It's not like they don't. They play Clemson and Notre Dame and, or Clemson and Georgia and USC, teams like that every year. So, um,
0: NYU, Navy, I mean, they, it's not like they have a joke on a schedule.
1: No, no, they don't at all, um, and I mean they play a bunch of ACC teams as well. Um, club's
0: on on the board this year,
1: right? Um, but I, I do think they're slightly overrated in the rankings um, to start the season. But like I said, I, I do think they're a good team.
0: So, Historically, you're you're saying historically Notre Dame is not like always overrated. Just this year, you think they're they're bumped up a little high to to begin the year.
1: Yes, I think they could definitely work them. they work their way to being in a top five position where they deserve that, but I don't think starting out of the gate, they really should be that highly ranked.
0: I think that's fair. Um, you know, like I said, I brought this up because the two blues I saw. So the the uh, thoughts were they were they were both pushing on pro Notre Dame in this case. And that is, you look at 2017, Notre Dame began the year unranked. They finished 11 at the end of the year. 2018, they were 12 to begin the year. They finished five. In 2019, they began the year at 9, finished 12. 2020, they began at 10, finished number 4. 2021, they finished 9, or they started 9, finished 8. And then 2022, they began the year at 5. And since the start of 2018, Notre Dame is 44-7. and seven, And those seven losses are Bama, twice in the playoff, Clemson in the ACC championship game, at Georgia, which was a very competitive game, at Michigan, Versus Cincinnati, who made the playoff this past year, by the way, and an eleven-win Oklahoma State team. Um, I, I don't think Notre Dame. I think everyone gives them such a such a bad reputation because of their blowout losses in in the big games. Because they, they lose to Clemson big in the ECC championship, or they lose to a big in the playoff, and immediately everyone's like, "Oh, Notre Dame sucks." They just get in because of their their brand name. I think that they've absolutely deserved every single time they've gotten in. The problem is it just look at it every year. There seems to be a gap between number one and number two and number three and number four in the country. And those semifinal games typically turn into blowouts. And so I don't think that Notre Dame should be hanging their hat on anything of having a couple of bad losses in a a playoff game because stuff happens. And sadly, they played Alabama, who, by the way, happened to be a pretty darn good team. Both times they did that.
1: Hey, they got there. They didn't put Notre Dame in there for no reason.
0: Exactly. I think it's been well deserved every time. Um, I, I so I, I I can't believe I had it got to a point that I was defending Notre Dame tonight. I kind of not laughed at them, but you know, like everybody else, it's you just like, oh Notre Dame, they get blown out, and then you look at the stats, and it's like, well, you know, maybe we do need to take a take a break on them and just be like, look, they they're a really really solid program. They're in top five program the last four years, and they've consistently been great. Um, and that goes to Brian Kelly for what he's been, able, what he was able to do at Notre Dame for a long time. me we'll will
1: hate best. that guy.
0: <laughs> we'll see what that man does in uh, down in Baton Rouge this year. Hopefully nothing. I hope he's out of coaching. Marcus Freeman, though. I love him. I think Marcus Freeman is going to be fantastic. The players already love him. I think he's going to have that place up and running quite quickly but uh, like, like I said, I think uh, they'll have a little bit of a slow start to begin the year, or, or to begin the Marcus Freeman tenure. Probably, a, I think 9-3 and three is, is really realistic. I don't think that's even a terrible year. A couple losses. we uh, will be a top 15 team in the country. They'll go to a decent ball game, and that'll be that, I assume, for Notre Dame. And if they went out and won 10-11 games, it wouldn't shock me one bit. It would shock me if they lose anything more than, than internet games, or hopefully or, nine or games at least. So without, I don't think there's too much else to, to go into next week. Uh, this is obviously the first of the, the weekly pods, right? We're going to be doing our previews come next week. We'll have results to talk about. We'll see how the Cornhuskers did over in Dublin. We will we'll either be uh, a cheering some, some Guinnesses, I believe, uh, or – you know, we might be having a little bit of Jameson and sorrow. Who knows? Um, depending upon the mood after that game on Saturday, so we'll, we'll break it down. We'll break down the other games that happen, and then we'll jump into the preview for uh, for Notre or for the really for everybody. It'll be the first week of the season. Um, you'll go Thursday through Monday night. That Labor Day weekend is always a blast. Starting on Thursday, running all the way through with a game every day of the week through Monday night on Labor Day. Um you got anything else here before we wrap it up, Brett? Go big red. Well, I think that uh, I think that's a great way to to leave it. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate all of you guys out there listening. And uh, yeah, like Brett said, go big red.